Hi, just before we get onto the podcast, a brief note of our sponsor this month. Digital is a creator tokenizing art and music. You can check out what he's up to via his website, danky, D-A-N-K-Y dot art. And don't forget to sign up to his newsletter to find out all the cool things he is making. Thanks for the sponsorship. That's the wrong one. We'll start again. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World episode 80. I'm your host, John Jordan, and joining me this week, I'm happy to have Adrian Cron, who's the CEO of Spielworks, better known, um, I'm sure, to most of us uh, for its Wombat uh, wallet. We're going to get into all that kind of detail, but um, thanks for joining us, Adrian. How are things going? Uh, Hi, John. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good. So um, as we like to do, um, kind of set the scene to begin with before we get into all the kind of uh, the technical details of of what you've been up to. Can you give us like a a little history of, of, of you know, what you've been up to, how you got into blockchain, uh, that sort of stuff? Sure. Um, so I have a background in mathematics and computer science. And uh, during my studies, I played a lot of online poker. And uh, later on, the well, I wasn't studying by, the, by then, but uh, the uh, online poker space picked up Bitcoin very, very early, right? Um, so that was around late 2010, early 2011, I guess. First time I heard about Bitcoin, um, sounded too, super fascinating, but there was really no infrastructure for all of that. So um, all the offers how to buy um, how to buy Bitcoin was through transfers on online poker platforms, right? So um, I didn't have the transactional security back then, so um, I actually didn't didn't really get into it because um, like the offers were like. Okay, you can buy 1,000 Bitcoin for 400 bucks. Um, I didn't do that. Um, revisited that later uh, in early 2013 after Bitcoin, I think, had uh, had like gone to 80, 90 dollars already. Um, and this was the first time I actually bought <clears throat> and stayed in the space, stayed interested, um, saw Ethereum come in, and then um, had a software company. Um, and in 2016, we decided that uh, we would offer. Um, Ethereum-based software development, um, like for custo- for our customers, and that brought us into the entire um, ICO space. And we're doing a lot of consulting, and um, this is uh, how we managed um, to found uh, Spielworks, which was back then called Chainwise Group. And um, we were actually wa- watching the market for um, what's what the interest- interesting industries are where blockchain will find its applications. And this brought us to gaming, right? Um, so that, that was when we decided, was around uh, late 2018, when we decided to move into products, um, build Wombat. Um, later on, Chain Clash. Uh, we launched Wombat in June last year. Um, and yeah, this is how, how our story started, basically. Cool, good. So that's, that's a pretty pretty good timeline. <laughs> um, you've covered, covered a lot of things there, you know, um, seen a lot of things as well in that short period of time. Um, but uh, yeah, let, let's let's head on. You've mentioned Wombat there. So that's kind of, I guess, the product you're, you're, you're best known for. Um, it's a uh, mainly mobile, but also browser-based uh, wallet for, for EOS. So um, why, why was that the product you decided uh, was the one you were going to kind of go with? Yeah, so in 2018, throughout our process where we were like looking for industries um, 
that, that would catch on blockchain adoption like, as the first industries. We, we saw gaming and, um, well, we also had seen um, the, the CryptoKitties thing going on or blowing off in, in 2017, um, but we also saw that the Ethereum blockchain um, didn't have a solution for scaling yet. And um, also we didn't, we didn't think that it would come, like this problem, the scalability problem on Ethereum wouldn't, wouldn't get solved anytime soon. So uh, we're actually betting on EOS as one of the solutions, uh, one of the blockchains that would adopt or would, would get adopted in, in the gaming space a lot, right? They were like the first games, um, EOS Nights came out very early after EOS Mainnet launched. Um, and uh, we're looking at it and saw that um, it's actually great. EOS was great for, for gaming because um, uh, transactions were really cheap and um, transaction times were really low and so on. Um, but uh, the onboarding was a huge pain, right? Um, so no, nobody was getting their account set up. It was, it was really difficult to get an account. And then once you had an account, it was really difficult to get resources um, because you can't just pay for them. You have to stake them and you have to know that you have to buy RAM and so on. So um, we thought, um, okay, if gaming wants to get adopted, um, if like blockchain gaming wants to get adopted on EOS, then we need easier onboarding and we need like better usability. And this can be solved through a wallet that basically gives users free accounts, um, which was, uh, we were basically the first ones offering free accounts on, on EOS um, and, and seamless usability so they don't have to care about CPU or RAM or like ideally, obviously, right? So um, this is how Womit got born. Um, we're, like, we're betting on the EOS blockchain um, as a solution for blockchain gaming. Um, and um, yeah, we were solving the, the uh, usability and onboarding problem. Yeah. No, I remember trying to set up my first EOS wallet. I think it was for, to play EOS Nights. And I just couldn't believe, you know, because I'd only set up Ethereum wallet and only set up like MetaMask and go through EOS and suddenly, you know, you basically need EOS to set it up and, and you also need someone basically someone to set it up for you and i had to pay i think five dollars through paypal to such some random th- i mean it, I was, it was it was nice it worked it did work but it was it was just like what on earth is, is this kind of system it's you know, everyone's moaning about how hard it is to set up a metamask wallet but with eos it was kind of like well no one's ever going to set up an eos wallet so so i think you 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 perfectly kind of uh kind of found a, a use case there i mean kind of generally now um how do you see eos as a as, as a gaming blockchain because it's, it's had some pretty um popular games on there but i but it's still ethereum is even with its massive scaling problems at the moment you know the, the kind of the momentum of the industry is still to use ethereum as as um, i think at least for nfts i suppose um yeah uh, i mean nfts for sure um the eos space has been has been lagging a little bit um with um agreeing on one standard that everybody would use right <laughs> um so we've got we've got goods and, and and simple assets and it's like it's not entirely clear um, which way to go, um, and that is actually a bit of a problem. And then there's um, this other problem that that came up um, in in November last year when uh, the Eidos uh, project launched, and uh, suddenly the, the EOS blockchain was clogged, and um, yeah, there was a huge congestion on it. And, and um, there was um, that I think actually that was the moment where a lot of developers actually thought. A second time, and and uh, thought maybe they shouldn't go on EOS because suddenly resources got 
super expensive on EOS, right? Um, I mean, not as expensive as on Ethereum, but comparable. And um, by that time, everyone, anyone who, who was building on EOS was building with cheap resources in mind. So they were, let's say, wasteful with, um, with uh, blockchain transactions, on-chain transactions um, in general, um, because they were so cheap, right? And suddenly everyone had to rethink and, and like uh, move logic that they had implemented on-chain now off-chain and um, that actually didn't, then suddenly doesn't make such a big difference anymore, whether you're just signing your purchase transactions or your NFTs um, on chain, right? And if you only do that, then Ethereum is actually more or less fine with its um, limited scalability. So I think that this, this was a strong indicator back, back in uh, November last year that um, when you saw all these all these projects moving away from EOS because um, this congestion problem didn't get solved. Right now, I think that it's not as bad anymore, but um, quite a few projects ha have moved away, right? Um, I mean, the C CPU is still as expensive as it used to be in, in, in uh, November, but the Rex prices are uh, have moved down and so it's, it's bearable, it's, it's acceptable, right? And um, so for us, it was like we were offering um, a lot of uh, services uh, to the to the game developers. So, for instance, we would take over their CPU costs so they wouldn't have to worry, and our users wouldn't have to worry whether, for instance, the the uh, publisher or the game developer covers the, the resource cost. So, we are trying to make it as simple as possible, also to the developers. But we saw a, a large portion of of um, developers and projects move away. So we'll have to see how it how it works uh, how it works out with with EOS in the um, in the gaming space. I think it's still pretty well suited right now. I think the EOS space is happy about DeFi going on to uh, going on to uh, EOS mainnet. So um, we'll we'll see how that works. But also we're here to 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 solve that problem, right? That's also um, one of the ideas behind uh, behind OnePlay, which we'll get to in a second, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, before we get to that, can, maybe you can go into a bit of detail um, about kind of uh, kind of how you operate, because although you're kind of you're offering um, EOS um, free accounts, you're actually running on the Telos blockchain. Is that right? Can you explain a little bit the technical kind of aspects of, of what you're doing? So um, in general, and this is how we started, um, we wanted to give every user a free EOS account, right? Um, and the way uh, we did that was, um, I mean, it's obviously expensive and you get exploited very, very easily, right? Um, so whoever was offering um, free EOS accounts would get into, um, yeah, attacks by like multi-accounters and, and um, Sybil attacks uh, very, very soon. And they would stop doing that basically, right? Um, so we started to build solutions for this so that we can detect um, uh, multi-accounters, people who create a ton of, who try to create a ton of accounts. So we made it really difficult for people to actually game the system. And this way we were able to offer free accounts. At the same time, um, we, we said that, okay, um, your, your private key is safe with us, but if you want to really own it and back it up yourself, um, you you would have to pay the same amount that uh, you would usually pay for any other account creation service, right? So that was about two bucks, um, 
and this is um, this is what we said. Okay, this is our kind of spam prevention mechanism, um, so that we don't have to worry about uh, people mass creating accounts because they're they're valuable on the US blockchain, right? Um, so people mass creating uh, hundreds of thousands of accounts that wouldn't wouldn't really have worked for us. So um, we had to find solutions how to kind of prevent that, and that system worked out surprisingly well for us. So we didn't even have to um, adapt very much because um, people were really, really liking it, right? Um, so there's obviously a lot of people who, um, or a few people who, who, who think that that's not decentralized enough or you should have your keys, but we're actually focusing on first-time blockchain users a lot and they actually don't know what a private key is and they don't want to worry about a, uh, what a private key, key is and how to store it securely and how to back it up so that nobody can steal it. So we take care of that for the users. So um, we have an automated backup um, and people actually have the private key on their device, right? We don't have, we obviously don't have access to the private key. So it's all um, on the user's premises. So either on their, uh, so the backup is on their, um, on their Dropbox or Google Drive and um, the actual private key is obviously encrypted on their device and we don't have it. Um, and um, so that way it's secure. Um, it, it works for like, like really a majority of people. We've been super successful with that. Um, and uh, yeah, we can offer free accounts and seamless, uh, seamless resource integration. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I mean, in, in kind of both of the, the previous answers, it's kind of, um, I guess we're coming to understand that every blockchain comes with its own kind of uh, kind of issues so it's kind of people go to eos because it's not going to get it's not going to have these these scalability issues and then something else comes along that kind of <laughs> creates effectively the whole bunch of you know eos and ethereum have had the same kind of in a sense scalability issues in terms of usability um that's kind of funny and then and then equally i think anyone working on a blockchain has kind of seen this this tension between kind of centralization decentralization do you own your private keys are you kind of custodial non-custodial kind of unless unless you're really hardcore yeah as you say no one understands it and, and and because they don't understand it, they don't really care about it. And, and I guess we're kind of seeing um, if we're going to go mass market in these kind of blockchain kind of kind of consumer products, certainly in games, you know, you need to use the blockchain for what it's good at, but you don't need to have all this complexity. And, and maybe over time, people will understand, um, you know, that they might want to secure their own kind of um, uh, own accounts in, in a proper manner. But but most people have enough problems with their bank account details, let alone <laughs> let alone something more complex than they say. Exactly, and this is, um, I mean, in general, you, you said you said a very very nice thing um, by saying uh, you you use the blockchain what it's good for, right? Um, and um, this is what we're doing, right? We're not set on um, on use exclusively forever right where we want to do what's uh, what works really well on eos and if there's things that work much much better on another blockchain then we can obviously integrate that um that's that's not a problem for us um we we do have however um a really nice um ux in what we've built with with eos right so you have these super low confirmation times. And um, so it, it feels, it almost feels like a, a traditional web 2.0 product. And this is what we what we wanted to achieve so that you don't even have to really know that you're using a blockchain. This is really difficult, right? Um, uh, but that's that's also, that was also the reason why we integrated with Telos because we saw an opportunity there um, that uh, we would get more cool applications and um, thereby obviously have a better offering for our users. 
So we can obviously immediately bring our users to the next blockchain if we want that. Um, and uh, so long as, as we see interesting applications um, for our users that will be usable, right? So um, that, that's, that was always um, a very important aspect for us. So we're always testing um, the dApps that we're listing for usability and whether it works seamlessly with, uh, with Wombat. And um, this to us is, is really important that whatever people see inside Wombat um, works. And they can obviously use it for every, everything else that they want uh, to use it for. But at least the stuff that they see directly in their Explorer that's, that's listed, the tokens that they see, that is all stuff that works yeah. for them. And just to be, uh, be clear, I think, I think I'm right. Telos runs on the EOS IO SDK. So it's kind of a broadly, kind of, you know, broadly very similar um, kind, of, kind of setup. That's correct. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both like the EOS IO is the software that's being developed by Block One. By block one. And it uh, both powers uh, it powers a few other blockchains as well, like BOS or Wax, right? Um, but it also powers Telos and, and, and EOS mainnet. Okay, excellent. So let's move on to kind of Wombat as a product. So, so um, you know, as you've kind of alluded to there, it is it is much more than a wallet. So, so often when we think of a wallet, we maybe um, think of just something where you kind of have tokens or something like kind of MetaMask, which is just for kind of very functional. Um, it's good at what it does, but but doesn't really have any any kind of deeper um, features to it and and because you're taking this kind of more holistic approach and saying you know we're going to you know start curate you know we're going to curate content that's really kind of kind of what you do um how has that come up kind of come about because um because yeah i say that is i think kind of it seems like the obvious thing for a lot of wallets to do um but it seems like most wallets either kind of can't either they just list loads of stuff and you just it's a bit Yes, I won't mention other competitors, but some wallets you go, go down, and there's a whole bunch of list of stuff, and you go, you know, what do I do, sort of thing. Um, it, it seems to be wallets not very good at, at curating content, which, and you're one of the few who has who has been good at that. So how 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 do you think you've you you've got good at that when other people have struggled? I think we just cared. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. um, we, we we basically we view um, Wombat as the product, right? Um, and it's it's not just a tool. Um, so, um, and I mean, this is how this is how web browsers generally started, right? Originally, um, you had a web browser. You had to type everything into the URL um, a bar, and and it, something would pop up or not, right? Um, whether you typed something meaningful or not. And then, um, obviously, they started to enrich their their UX. Um, by integrating search in, um, directly, by having quick start pages um, with speed dial on, right? And um, so we're basically doing the same thing. We're just mimicking um, the the development of the original web browser. It's just that we're doing that for the for the decentralized web for Web 3.0 um, rather than the the like let's call it traditional web. Um, and um, we're trying to to also mimic this this UX. Um, and this is, this is what's important for us, that um, anyone who comes in from the traditional world, from the traditional web world, they don't need to learn a thousand new things at once. Um, they can just go ahead and, and get started. And if they want to learn more, we can actually uh, like bring them there. And, and they, they can obviously explore more and then get more advanced. Um, but we want them to have a very easy start. And um, this, this has always been our, our mantra that, that we've been following, that um, whoever comes in is typically a user who's never 
had any touch points with blockchain and um, uh, they don't need to we don't want them to learn everything at the at the at their start into this world just like people typically don't care how the web actually works um, what um, HTTP actually does despite them typing it into the browser but I mean that has changed over the past five or ten years as well right um, so we don't we don't want to require people to have to type um, whatever, um, yeah, using a command line interface to, to post a transaction. I, I don't know how much you can kind of comment on this, but we, we've, there's been some issues with kind of um, other wallets uh, kind of coming coming unstuck with kind of App Store regulations about kind of, you know, if you're, you can't you can't list a another app store within a dApp on an app store sort of thing. Um, have you had any problems with that? Because I mean, to some degree, it could be seen that you're kind of you're kind of acting as like an app store. I mean, obviously, you can't download things from the from the wallet. But have you had what issues have you had? Because you're mainly mobile focused in general, aren't you? And we know people, you know, companies like Apple are not necessarily very um, always very open to to blockchain projects. Um, well, I can I can't give you much details, um, but. Um... Everyone has that problem. <laughs> so, so it's like um, Google is, is still a little bit um, more liberal regarding that, but Apple is really um, strict, and um, you have to you have to like talk to them a lot, and and it, sometimes you would get new releases disapproved with stuff that has worked before or that was okay before, right? Um, without them actually officially changing their their regulations, so there's it's it's often a bit, a bit erratic what what gets disapproved and whatnot. Um, probably depends on the on the auditor. Um, so that's a constant struggle. And I mean, I understand why um, Apple uh, specifically and Google also um, don't really have an interest in in allowing um, direct payments via blockchain um, in into um, yeah, apps that they would have to, or that they could um, control the, the money flow into otherwise, right? Because um, they're, they're not getting their 30% cut. Um, so that's, that's on one hand very understandable, on the other hand it's obviously um, a part of, of our daily routine to, to try and, and find a solution and work around these limitations. And that's also a reason why um, our products don't look exactly the same on all okay. the platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just seems to be an ongoing thing, and doesn't. Um, I, I guess we all hope that just over time it gets better. But Apple seems to, <laughs> particularly in particular, goes going the opposite direction. But um, let's move on. So you've mentioned this already, and this is kind of part of of I guess the kind of the um, the second phase of of of, uh, of Wombat uh, and this idea of, of kind of one play. So so what is one play, and how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so OnePlay is a gaming reward platform. Um, we wanted to give people the opportunity to earn money by playing games. And I mean, for you and for the blockchain gamers, that's a very common thing, right? Um, I think that most of the blockchain gamers, they actually play games because um, they feel like they can earn a few tokens by doing so. Um, and they're not necessarily in for the fun. And I mean, some of the games are, they actually feel more like work. <laughs> than, than like um, a game, um, is so so maybe that's that's also um, that's also like necessary that they would reward um, people. But obviously, there's also some some really great games um, on blockchains. Um, but we wanted to like on on top of what they can make in games, or even if they can't make anything in games, 
um, we wanted to give them the possibility to earn to earn money by playing games because yeah, that's exactly what these kinds of people want, right? The, the, the type of user that that we have for Wombat, they are used to be able to being able to make money in a game, and um, now that's basically coming back to what I said earlier. Um, if we don't have as big a supply of um, of blockchain games in general um, or specifically EOS-based games as we had hoped uh, we would have, um, then we can emulate this kind of behavior by actually um, rewarding users for not just playing blockchain games, but also playing traditional games. And um, this is how, how we launched OnePlay as a platform where you can, yeah, um, earn money by playing both blockchain and non-blockchain games. So presumably you're you're having to work with the developers um, to kind of kind of set that up as a kind of a, a kind of promotional uh, platform. You mean the developers of the blockchain games or like the yeah game? of the games themselves? Uh, yeah, sure. We're we're in, in contact with the publishers. Like in the in the traditional space, it's more the pub publishers who do the marketing for for the games, right? So it's more talking to the publishers rather than developers. Um, in in the blockchain space, they're typically the same. People, so um, uh, we were always in, in touch with them, and um, uh, with with the blockchain games, it's actually um, even easier because the data that you might reward users for, like activity data or whatever, um, is typically on chain, or a part of that is on chain. So you can reward users for that directly, and we don't need to ask specifically for like activity data or or like when they, when they reach certain milestones. Um, that is a bit more um, elaborated in um, in the traditional gaming world, and there are obviously huge companies behind uh, behind these games, right? So they're um, they're super professional. They have all the processes in place. We're not we're typically not the first one approaching them uh, with such an idea. We're typically the first one approaching them with the idea of making crypto available as a reward, right? Um, so that, that is new, and um, uh, but they're, they're, most of them are really open to that idea and to try it out, and um, they're really happy to be working with us. And so we're, we're going to be onboarding a ton of, of new games um, very, very shortly. Um, we started out with uh, with the, the games that we already had in Wombat um, plus Forge of Empires, and um, we're going to be expanding uh, very, 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 very quickly. So when Obviously, for the for the blockchain kind of game guys, they kind of it kind of makes sense because you know you you, you that's that, that's kind of the the sector you're operating in. Um, you, you say the kind of the more traditional people are kind of I guess kind of happy to experiment. Um, do, do you think they are becoming more kind of open to blockchain, um, and they just see this as a, a way of you know attracting users? Doesn't really matter if you're attracting them through through a, a blockchain wallet. They just kind of you know. Those kind of people know everyone plays games, and it doesn't really matter where you get them from. And then this is probably a good source of kind of tech-aware people who are probably happy to spend money on games. Is, is that more what they're interested in than the fact that it's a it's a blockchain-based platform? Um, this is what you said that um, we're actually attracting the more traditional gamers, and we want to to bring them to the blockchain. This is exactly what the plan is, right? Um, there's only a handful. I mean, on the global scale, there's only a handful of actual blockchain gamers, right? Um, so if you look at DappRadar or Dapp.com um, and see the statistics, um, there is about 5,000 daily active or 5,500 daily active users playing Splinterlands, and this is by far the most successful game right now. 
um, and any any traditional publisher uh, would not consider this as a success, right? It's, it's super far away from being a success. So we're tapping into a world that that um, is a much much wider audience, and we want to make it again. We want to make it as easy as possible for them to get into the blockchain space, ideally with no risk of like putting in their own money or whatever, right? So this is why they why they can just do whatever they have done before, which is playing games, and now they can earn some some EOS, some crypto on the side, and um, it's. It's the lowest risk touch point that they could have for first touch point with crypto, um, and then they can can obviously use that crypto that they earn. They get a wombat wallet for free and so on. That's clear, right? And then they can use it on to go and and try DeFi on EOS or or yeah, play play blockchain based games or whatever they want to do with it, or even just like cash it out on Coinbase or whatever. Um, but uh, this is exactly what we want, right? We want to attract, um, obviously, also blockchain gamers, but there's just very few of them. So we're going into the, the broader market with um, with traditional gamers who actually also do like to earn money, and they have um, like by playing games, and they also have a natural affinity for digital assets because most games actually have some kind of a soft currency, right? This is one of the main premises be, be behind. Um, blockchain and gaming, obviously, right? Um, so they're very open for that idea, and um, they're very happy to try to try out one play. Mm. And you also talk, want to talk a little bit. You mentioned Splinterlands there, and, and you've you've recently done an integration with Splinterlands, even though it's working on a totally different blockchain. How do you, how does that work? How did that come about? Um, that was actually funny. I met um, Matt at uh, at a conference uh, early this year, and we started talking. And obviously, they have a ton of things that they're doing, um, and they're they're not um, necessarily heavily focusing on uh, adopting mul uh, multiple blockchains as um, kind of payment and uh, and login methods. Um, but um, I mean, I think that we're able to bring quite a bunch of users to them. They still, I mean, obviously the game still operates on the higher blockchain, um, but uh, they get a simple login and a simple means of, of buying in-game items uh, through Wombat. And um, we're really, really happy that we can offer like the number one blockchain game to our users and they can just seamlessly log in without having to create a Hive account separately or go out of, of Wombat um, and, and have to sign up separately, right? Um, so for us, that's, that's really cool. We're really happy to be working with those guys. They're, they're awesome. The game is really awesome. I, I've always loved uh, trading card games. Uh, Ever since my Magic: The Gathering days, back back in the days, uh, so um, uh, th this really appeals to me. So I'm 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 really happy that uh, we could make that happen. Exactly, and I think it's a, it's a good kind of example of um, you know blockchain games companies kind of you know if you've kind of been throughout your uh, podcast, you know dealing with the complexity in a way that allows users to do the cool things they want to do and, and you know make the most of the blockchain which is like you know earning the things in the games trading the things in your in the game and not worrying about all the the things which are important you know <laughs> about being secure and having access to kind of kind of reset accounts and all this sort of stuff but that that really needs to be as far in the background as possible and it's kind of great that we're kind of moving towards um that vision and i think you know in, in future it's going to be more and more you know, less and less about the blockchains these things are running on you know more and more about just letting people access them um, through, you know, very simple um, um, kind of 
uh, access points, which is where we want to go. Um, so, so uh, we're kind of running running towards the end of the podcast. What what's next for for you guys? What, what are the what, what's the um, the big vision thing that you're kind of heading towards? Where are you going to be in a year's time? Um, in a year's, um, I hope that we're we're going to have um, the the biggest publishers on board on one, one play and, and be able to offer a super wide variety of games, like hundreds and thousands of different games that people can then earn through. Um, we also want to bring uh, the benefits of blockchain to not just thousands or hundreds of thousands, but millions of users. So we want to get them acquainted with uh, with like decentralized digital assets and, and blockchain-based assets um, and blockchains in general um, on a much wider fashion. So um, this is what we're working on every day. And um, it's I think we're going we're going in a good direction and um, I, I hope that we're gonna have uh, over over a million users uh, in a year's time mm-hmm. it, is, it is interesting that it that, that um now I think some of the more ambitious blockchain companies are now talking about millions of users which is I hadn't heard I think the first time I heard it was um about this this time last year I was at a conference and um Someone was talking about having millions of users, and 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 the the jump then from like you know maybe tens of thousands <laughs> best to millions. That's the, <laughs> I was quite shocked, uh, but now it's interesting to see that uh, I, you know I, not all blockchain games companies are that ambitious, but it is interesting that, that you're starting to see um, the millions now seen as as being a a um, an ad, you know an addressable um, kind of figure, so, something that we can actually. You know, reach which which I don't think was was um, was seen in the past. So it's good. It's it's good you're that ambitious. <laughs> I honestly I think that with an approach where it's it's so seamless to to get onboarded onto blockchain and um, you essentially get everything for free for just um, doing whatever you love doing anyway. Um, this is this is the way to go, right? Uh, I mean, there's a ton of projects that are in essence similar um that that reward you for like shopping and you get cash back in in crypto and, and stuff like that and these are going to be um th- these are very likely to be the mass adoption catalysts um for, for blockchain and um so we're working towards that as well and i think um a ton of other other uh, companies do that do similar things um and we only want to encourage everyone to to like talk to us and and um, see how we can help actually bring users to like blockchain users to their games or to their projects because uh, we already have quite a bunch of them and and we're happy to talk right and um, we want to basically just offer as many cool services and cool things as we can and um, everything else can be can be sorted out so um, I yeah I think that that we're we're all working together on a on a common goal to bring these benefits of, of blockchain, especially in the gaming space, to as many users as possible. And there are so many gamers out there who can actually benefit from that. Um, I think I, I, I see a lot of a lot of potential here. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time, Adrian. Thanks a lot to you, John. And uh, thanks to, to you listeners for, for listening. Um, we are uh, every every week talking to the uh, the people who are kind of creating this new uh, fascinating sector in the game space, a sector we believe is going to be uh, really important for the next kind of five to 10 years. So please do subscribe uh, to the podcast. If you haven't already, we're available through um, all the usual podcast providers. Um, and uh, come back next week to see what's going on in the world of blockchain games.